Ahoy! You're listening to Diffuse Tab with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. This week, we're chatting with Austin Mitchell, the CEO of Sonota, S-Y-N-O-T-A. We're going to be talking about the Bitcoin Lightning Network, how it's paving the way for a more efficient and accessible energy market, how much back office inefficiencies add to the price of energy, and what would happen if the world settled energy instantly. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hopefully you had some good conversations. There are not a lot of new faces in the crowd here today, which means there's a lot of confusion in the crowd. So let's try to dispel some of that. You are at Diffuse Tap, and here's the agenda. What is on tap at Diffuse Tap? We're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap, the event, the format, all this stuff. We're going to talk about Diffuse, why we do this. Then we're going to do a 15 or so minute fireside chat with Mr. Austin Mitchell. And then we're going to do two more rounds of tap rooms like you just experienced because Diffuse Tap is mostly networking. So about three quarters of our time each week is in small groups of four, five, six, something like that of um, largely alternative investors, very heavily slanted towards crypto. So it's a chance for you to meet folks really rapid fire and a lot of business comes out of these things because as you saw in the previous slide, we've been doing this for over three years. Um, we do want you to learn a little bit, which is why we have Mr. Mitchell on here today to share some of his insights about energy on the Lightning Network. If you like the networking portion of this, September 13th in New York City, we're doing an in-person IRL for all of you Redditors out there. Uh, Mr. Andy Harrison is going to be the host. He's waving there on the screen if you all look. Uh, so if you're in New York, you can be in New York. You can meet folks in person. I'm all blurry. There we go. Uh, fewer speakers, more alcohol is the joke I like to make all the time. Uh, Diffuse is a fund platform, a company. So we launch kind of opportunistic or just, you know, it, what we think are intelligent alternative funds. We're really heavily focused on our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is a market cap weighted index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies. So it's a way for investors to get broad exposure to all of digital assets without really having to think about it. It's just passive. And as of a couple of months ago, we are publicly listed. It took a very long time to get through that process. So hit us up if you want to learn any more about that. But soft pitch over. Let's hear from the man of the day, Mr. Austin Mitchell. Austin, you want to unmute yourself and tell the folks a little bit about your background so they can get to know you and then what you're up to over at Sonoda. Yeah, thank you very much. It is uh, great, great to have the opportunity to to be speaking with you all today. Um, I'm really, really excited about uh, you know this group uh, gathered here, and and I'm looking forward to the questions. Um, so a little bit of background on myself. Um, I've been in the energy industry for 16 years, basically my entire career. Um, and I studied engineering in uh, undergrad and grad school, and then uh, spent spent a little bit while doing research on methane emissions and and uh, some other hot topics in the space. Uh, before then, actually working in the energy industry itself. Um, so for upstream oil and gas and retail energy, as well as uh, in the public utility sector. Um, and so you know this this time that I spent in the energy industry. Um, you know, really kind of covered the the gamut of of opportunities across the value chain, and uh, you know helps them build an incredible network of of folks in the space. Uh, two of which are are my co-founders for Sonoda. So we have you know been in the front office, the back office. We've been in operations, um, and as I said, you know we've worked through this value chain. And I think one of the really interesting things that you know became apparent to us, you know, through our careers was 
that there's really a disconnect um, today between the delivery of molecules and electrons, you know, to homes and to businesses from, you know, the movement of money and data, you know, across the system itself. And so I always, you know, tell people to kind of look at their energy bill the next time that they, they get it. And you'll see you're paying for energy that you consumed, you know, 60 to 90 days ago. And, and, and that really is just sort of the beginning of the issue. Um, and, and so what we started to do is, as uh, you know, myself and my two co-founders, is we started to really kind of dig in, um, understanding, you know, how it is that we could, we could build a business. And, and one of the key sources of inspiration for us was the Bitcoin mining industry. Um, so we saw Bitcoin mining as this, this new large energy consumer that was kind of rewriting the rules around how they procure energy. They were willing to go anywhere, uh, consume energy at you know, the off-peak times. And, and so in that way, it was, it was sort of an interesting look into, hey, this is what the future of, of a very flexible system is going to be. Um, but the one thing that wasn't changing in that, in that you know, new ad advancing energy consumer was how they were ultimately transacting with their counterparties. It was still following the same the same system of, of transaction that, you know, has been in place for 50, 60 years. Um, and so that really was kind of the, the origin of the idea, uh, you know, connected with, with some folks locally in, in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm from, um, you know, who are working, you know, in the space technically. And, and they said, hey, yeah, we can solve this. Um, and so thus began the journey of Sonoda. Um, we uh, closed our seed financing round back in September um, and, you know, launched our beta product uh, most recently in May. So we've been uh, having a lot of success since then, um, you know, bringing this new use case for Bitcoin's Lightning Network uh, to the forefront and at the same time adding adding value to the energy industry as well as to uh, their consumers. Ah, that's super cool. Well, maybe hmm, brass tacks, so like end consumer, who who actually interacts with your product? Like, what does that look like if I want to start using Sonoda to meet my energy needs, right? What does that, what does that look like? Yeah. So what I would say is today, you know, when you're paying your energy bill, um, you are most likely relying on a, a payment processor today. So you may be logging into your utilities website, uh, but in the back end, you know, at least in my case, I, 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 my payment processor is Fiserv. Um, and so you can think of, of that similar type of interaction being, being kind of what we're talking about here, where you as a consumer uh, have a very auto bill pay like experience. Um, and you know, you're just using a different payment rails in between to ultimately, uh, you know, ensure that the, your data and your money is making it to, uh, your suppliers. Okay. So I have the supplier you're using Fiserv, so I I'm using you to effectively just kind of pay that, 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 that mm -hmm. invoice right then and there. Okay. And what that's that, right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and then, so you're using Lightning Network, you said, to do the actual settlement there. What, uh, obviously, uh, for people who aren't familiar, what's the, the pros and cons of Lightning Network versus Bitcoin? Yeah, so the Lightning Network is a, a layer two uh, application on, on Bitcoin, um, you know, the, the main net there. And what Lightning really it take, does is it, it borrows the, the best properties of, of, you know, Bitcoin main net, which, you know, security and decentralization. But then on top of that, it allows then a network for making payments that is instant, secure, and very low cost. Okay. Um, and so what's really interesting about the network is because it's built on Bitcoin, there's really good liquidity that exists around the edges as well. So how are you able to now convert from Bitcoin to dollars or dollars to Bitcoin mm. or really any local fiat currency? So the fungibility of Bitcoin is another property that, that carries over into the Lightning Network. 
Understood. So you're using Bitcoin effectively as a as a medium of exchange, and so the That's end exactly consumer. Right. Okay, and then so the end consumer, like what type of uh, you've talked about the inefficiency. What what is the magnitude of that? So you know, using the traditional payment rails, how, how much of a cost savings do you think the, the consumers realizing here? Yeah. So uh, the, the number that that we talk about is really U.S. centric. Ten to twenty percent of your energy bill is purely inefficiency. Um, so you can imagine, you know, what I'm saying is has nothing to do with actually delivering those molecules and electrons to your home or to your business. Um, so the system that's in place today, you know, it, it really goes back to the day when there used to be meter readers walking neighborhoods, actually take, you know, writing on a clipboard, how much energy you consumed in the last, you know, one or two months, that same system, you know, even though the, all of the meters now are digital and the, the days of meter reading have, have, you know, have since gone. You still have in place all of the other backend processes uh, that that you know came into existence at that same time, and so when we use the example of of I'm getting a bill uh, 60 days later for energy that I consumed, um, you know what you're basically seeing is is a really large number. You know it, it covers a 30 day period, and so in the United States, five to seven percent of energy bills go unpaid. Fiserv, which I mentioned earlier, uh, charges two to three percent to process those payments. Um, and then you can think about other aspects of, of the problem having to do with, uh, you know, managing the credit, the collection side of things. And, and probably one of the, the ones that I've had the most exposure to directly, because I've been responsible for modeling this, is, is related to this cash flow. Um, so when you are, when your DSO is as large as it is in the utility space, so, you know, day sales outstanding, in the utility space, that's 43 days. Um, so it's 30 plus 43. So on average, a utility gets receives cash 73 days after the first you know molecule or electron was consumed. That wreaks havoc on the cash flow for for the energy industry because they have delivered a product and not been paid for it. Um, and so what happens six months out of the year are your utilities, your energy suppliers are running cash positive balances, and then the other six months out of the year they're running cash negative. And so this means that six months out of the year they're having to borrow cash just to fund operations. Mm. So a lot of different things that when you when you start to kind of even just just talking about sort of the primary impacts and, and even you know dipping a little bit into the secondary, that's where you get that 10 to 20 percent. Uh, and I could talk for another 10 minutes about some of the, the tertiary things, sort of how that ultimately sort of boils down into even greater inefficiency uh, down the road. Okay. Um, Chris uh, had a question in the chat here and a thumbs up a voting mechanism. Isla. We should do voting mechanism. This is great. Um, his question is you're using Bitcoin, well, Lightning Network, um, but does that not create a, you know, underlying exposure to Bitcoin itself and a volatility issue? Because that's kind of known for, well, not recently, but historically known for not or moving a lot. Yeah. So, so it's a great question because Bitcoin is volatile. Um, but what the way that our software works is it is an instantaneous medium of exchange. Therefore, in the time that Bitcoin is being used in the settlement, uh, the price is essentially fixed. And so if you are an energy company and you send a $100 invoice, you are going to receive $100. Um, and so how we accomplish that is we are partnering with uh, exchanges and liquidity providers on the edge of the network to do that conversion for us instantaneously. And then they they provide then cash directly to the bank account of the energy supplier, as an example. Gotcha. Is this uh, is there any? I mean, obviously, another potential issue there is counterparty risk. Uh, are you using like centralized parties OTC desk to do these the FX conversion, or is it is it a little bit more on chain type stuff? 
Yeah. To, to, so if, if somebody is looking to, to receive, you know, fiat into their bank account, the short answer to that is yes, that is, that is introducing counterparty risk. So what we, what our core message is, so our platform is really designed to remove counterparty risk. So I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth, but how we approach <laughs> that is we, we reduce the settlement period. So we're going from a 30 day uh, billing cycle down to a one day billing cycle. So you know, you're, you're going to have less money sort of at risk at any given time. The second thing is, is we're not, you know, leaving funds in any one location for any period of time. Our software makes sure that it is the fastest process possible to deliver cash to your bank. So, so certainly we, we, we run the traps on everybody we work with, you know, really significant due diligence process. We did an RFP with 12 different companies um, and we chose the two best. Um, and so we'll continue down that path of, of you know monitoring and our partners closely from a regulatory and, and order execution quality standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately where we are today, we feel very comfortable uh, uh, that we're we're working with the right folks to to deliver the service that we're promising. Understood. Um, Len has two questions that I'll try to combine into one and probably fail terribly. Um, so where exactly do you land in the supply chain? Because somebody is I don't know putting a solar array in to create electricity on one end or digging up natural gas, whatever the the actual source for the electricity is, all the way down to the consumer. So which are the kind of middlemen that you're you're really competing with or potentially augmenting their services? Yeah. So so what you can kind of think of is if you were to go into your you know control room of utility today, what you're going to see is a series of of physical nodes uh on on the map up on the wall. And it will have everything from your generation your people generating power to the you know to substations to then ultimately the consumers. So each of those nodes out there are uh, effectively, you know, flow points where where the actual movement of energy is being metered. And so what you can imagine with our software is that each of those places where energy is being metered is now going to have its own node in the light network, able to now uh, exchange value in in accordance with the movement of energy. And, And so we are actually, you know, vision vision wise attacking the full value chain. And, and that's one of the advantages that we have with the Lightning Network is it's easy now for a consumer to pay out to multiple parties at the same time. Why that's important is because today you pay your utility, your utility pays the transmission company, uh, the utility then turns around and pays the energy supplier. So there's these massive daisy chain of payments. So where the utility's DSO is 73 days, but somebody who's further upstream may have uh, or you know, may have an even longer time period. So in oil and gas, sometimes it was 120 to 180 days before actual money was received due to the daisy chain of payments. So, so we're, we're obviously very narrowly focused in that, in that value chain today, but it is the case that you can, you can think of our software working in a, very, working in a decentralized way, enabling the, the payment for energy consumed to now be spread throughout uh, multiple parties in the value chain because the underlying commodity being delivered is not changing. It's still the same electron. It's still the same molecule. And so it's an industry that lends itself very well to multi-party settlements. I understand. So in that capacity, in that sense, then to Len's question, um, it is just electricity, but ultimately you don't really care what the source of the electricity is at the end of the day for what you're doing. Well, for from I don't, but the consumers may. And mm, I think that's right. the best thing that our software, our software provides is if they're being sourced electricity from five different companies, they're going to have five different receipts uh, for that energy. So it's a much more efficient way to, you know, have attribution back to the source, which is increasingly an important problem today. 
Understood. Okay. That makes sense. Um, this is fascinating. I love this. It's kind of a use case for lightning network. I hadn't really ever seen before. Now, is there anything that you're, you're talking, it kind of almost feels like this is just a plain supply chain optimization, right? In this particular case, it's, it's, it's focused heavily on energy because that's your background. And just, as we all know, it's wildly inefficient. Um, but is that kind of just where you're starting and the idea is to kind of disrupt various supply chains for some of these, more, specifically on the payment side, for some of these more stodgy traditional um, bureaucracies? Certainly. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of folks, you know, reach out to us, you know, from their various industries, you know, with examples of, of you know, what we call cash lag and credit risk and, you know, asking the question, can, uh, can software like yours really enhance that? One of the ones that that I'll highlight because it, it touches on a couple of things re- relative to our building is the healthcare industry. Um, so if you think of healthcare, you know, again, look at your look at your the next health bill you get, you're going to see you're paying for services provided a long time mm-hmm. ago, um, and it's very convoluted. Um, and and so clearly, in an in industry where speeding up the movement of money is going to you know provide cash, you know, provide benefits in terms of lower credit risk, more you know. Um, and in better cash flow, uh, but then the other interesting aspect about healthcare and, and is even a stronger selling point for our software in that industry versus ours is the fact that because we are building decentralized software, so where Sonoda never takes custody of the money, never takes custody of the data, mm-hmm. um, you could almost envision at least I'm using in the U.S. where we're HIPAA compliant from day one, mm-hmm. um, and because because of how uh, how we've architected the solution. Um- that's really interesting. Okay. And then, so the players that are, because this, this problem is, is not new, right? Uh, specific to the net 30, net 60 payment issue. Um, so players trying to solve it in different ways would be like accounts receivable factoring type plays. And was that what you were referencing with the working capital earlier, where they're looking at invoices that are outstanding. They try to um, estimate how much is going to come out and they give a loan based on those outstanding invoices. Is that kind of somebody you're competing with in some way, or is that a product offering that you're envisioning down the road? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we basically are, um, you know, eliminating any, if so factoring is not something that I'm familiar with in the energy industries, specifically the companies that I've worked for have either had a revolving line of credit that Mm -hmm. where it's partially collateralized on AR or, or they've, you know, relied on commercial paper markets for, for short-term borrowing. Um, wouldn't surprise me if factoring is, is also, you know, present in this space, but I think mm-hmm. there's other, other mechanisms to bring cash forward. Um, but they all come with a cost. So, you know, we operate in bringing that cash forward, but it's, but it's tied to the actual settlement of, of the bill. So it's, it's not, Hey, I'm charging you a fee to bring money for it. It's I'm actually settling your contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's one really kind of the key advantage there. Okay. One last question. Um, one energy specific issue is shutting off electricity in the middle of the winter. Would having this real time payment and the ability to have that more fine tuned controlled over like, hey, you haven't paid in the last hour, would that make that that problem worse? Or is that more of a, a legislative type problem? Mm. Okay, so last question, but I'm going to hit it on a couple, a couple of angles. So the very first thing, so you have to think about that bill shock. Bill shock is a real thing. People don't budget for energy today. Um, and, and so the example that I'll give would be, what if Starbucks, think about you, you drink Starbucks every morning, but then you don't actually pay for it when you walk into Starbucks. They just send you a bill, you know, for every, every cup you drink in August, you get a bill at the beginning of October for Starbucks. Okay. You're going to say, holy smokes, I spent a lot of money on Starbucks. 
on a daily basis, that was pretty manageable. I didn't mind spending that three to five dollars to have. But wow, now that I've got, you know, a hundred dollar bill to Starbucks, this kind of stinks. Mm. Bill shock is real and energy too. And it also sort of disconnects from the behaviors that that were underlying, you know, that bill in the first place. So uh, the that's one thing that leads to people not paying their energy bills. And it may be the primary driver for people not paying their energy bills is they're, they're just not budgeted for it. So if you talk to any utility today, and there's actually one that's been doing this work, is, is increasing the, uh, reducing sort of the billing frequency has a net positive for, for the consumer because they're able to better manage that control, control sort of their consumption in real time. So step one is, you know, here's a solution to just reduce the bill shock, reduce the non-payment due to just lack of funds. But then you also think about when you have a higher frequency settlement, you also are able to identify issues before they become big issues. And, and so if I, if you don't pay day one, you can get, you know, a text saying, Hey, you didn't pay. Uh, if you don't pay day two, you can say, Hey, now you're two days behind, but you as the energy supplier utility in that case, you you're very well aware of, well, who has no intent of paying and you can start addressing that, you know, in a much shorter time frame than waiting until 90 days before you say, okay, you've missed three bills. Now we're going to start talking about, uh, you know, recouping funds uh, and thinking about things like shutoffs. The one last thing I'll mention is, so shutoffs are, are absolutely protected in, in, in most places that I'm aware of, you know, during periods of, of, of weather, you know, weather, weather peaks and troughs. Um, and, and that makes, you know, perfect sense. And what actually is, is the case is that there are a ton of benefits available to energy consumers to help during those periods of time. So, you know, income-based benefits, you know, low-income, no-income customers qualify for. Um, what would shock people is, is the amount of those benefits that actually go unused. Um, so during the pandemic, those benefits were actually increased in the U.S. And I think the number was somewhere around only 30% of them were actually ever taken advantage of because of the friction where you as the, the person qualifying has to take, you know, your, your bill, your ID, uh, another form of proof of residence. You have to go down to the office, fill out the paperwork before they, you know, will then ultimately, you know, provide that credit that you can apply to your bill. So that process means a lot of those benefits go unrealized. Mm. And the reason why that process exists is to prevent fraud. You know, money is fungible, right? So if, if you just got a hundred dollar check to cover your, your, your energy bill, um, you know, who knows where the money will go. And, you know, there's not a mechanism by which that money can be, you know, transferred to a utility. Cause again, fungibility of money utility may, may use it for other reasons as well. Mm. So there's just a lot of, a lot of uh, fraud or sort of other issues that come with, how do you distribute these benefits with our system? Every consumer has their own node mm. and it's, you know, cryptographically secured nodes. So you now can contemplate a future where these benefits are able to make it into the hands of people that need them the most in a very efficient way. And you can verify that the money's being used to be, to pay for energy. Fascinating. Good answer. Appreciate that. But we do need to get to tap rooms. So here is a housekeeping slide. Uh, networking, not pitching, um, in the tap rooms, be kind to one another and, uh, connect. If you meet somebody you want to connect with, uh, just swap details, emails, whatever you want. I mean, emails, that's really dating myself. Um, or join our telegram group, uh, introduce yourself, ask what, I don't know, tell people what you're up to. It's a good, lively crew. Uh, and then in the breakout room itself, there's a rough itinerary and I let you have a topic for the folks to potentially discuss. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll pop you into rooms now. You'll be in there with about four or five other folks. And the main question for you is what would encourage you or drive you to start using uh, cryptocurrency to actually pay for your 
energy bill. I'll pop you into rooms now and we'll see you back here in 10 minutes. All right, everybody's zooming back in. Hi, welcome back. Hope you had good chats in the old tap rooms there. Uh, Austin, oh man, I forgot to warn you. Uh, tell us the future. While Isla furiously reshuffles the tap rooms, what are you excited by? Doesn't necessarily have to do with energy, just whatever whatever's on your mind or something you came across recently. And you do get brownie points for something the audience has not heard about before. All right, well, let me. I will start with in, uh, the future is is the vision there around energy i actually usually point to what the department of energy has been talking about for 25 years uh and that's that's really the term is transactive energy but the way to think about it is it's the smart grid with an, a settlement layer uh integrated to it mm. um and so you know we i think most people in the energy space are tired of hearing the term smart grid because you know we've we've, de- we've deployed a lot of smart technology but the grid is is getting dumber um so it doesn't really make a ton of sense. And so I think that's really where I see a huge, huge opportunity now um, to, to actually bring that, that to light. Um, what I get really excited about um, in a general sense is just cross-border investment um, you know, for infrastructure generally. Uh, I think that's something that is uh, going to become way more efficient you know, with, with you know, Bitcoin Lightning Network. Um, we're already seeing, seeing some of that today to where you, you can really open up uh, investing in 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 a way that today, or you can remove one of the key you know barriers to cross border investing um, today, and that's that's something that really gets us gets us excited. All right, uh, less dumb smart grid and uh, easier flow of money internationally. I like it. Uh, both are uh, well, the latter in particular is right in the the wheelhouse of the original white paper, I believe, for Bitcoin. So uh, yeah, you're preaching to the choir there, Ms. Graham. Do you have another topic for us for another breakout room? Tap room, dang it. It's very difficult to remember the new naming. You oh, know? <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, I just remember when this event was still called Consume. Oh, man. Right. Yeah, geez. Yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll pop you back into rooms again. I think this time we'll do another round of shuffling. Um, and your topic is around energy consumption and renewable energy. Is that going to factor at all into this game of trying to get people to pay with crypto? Is renewable energy going to be like the preferred thing to buy uh, in these kinds of networks? Or is it going to be kind of traditional energy just with a new payment method? Um, off to the rooms you go. All right. Uh, that number has stopped moving. So we will assume that that is everybody back. Welcome back. Hopefully you had some good conversations. couple of quick wrap up items and then we're going to get you out of here right on time. Actually, we're not a minute late. First, Austin, please unmute and plug your pluggables. How can people find you? Where do you want to send people who listen or have been at the event? Hey, thank you. Yeah, this is this has been a really awesome. Grateful for the conversation and, and love the tap rooms. Uh, um, you can so Sonoda.io is the website, um, but you can reach me directly through LinkedIn. I put put that in the chat as well as through Telegram. Um, so both in the chat, I can say them out loud. But if you've got access to that, that's probably the best way to to capture the data. All right, um, and uh, just yeah, uh, open to opportunities. You know, you know, direct or indirect. Um, you know, we're certainly uh, enjoying the ability to kind of leverage leverage this technology. Uh, to solve problems. So thank you all. Awesome. And for anybody who's listening to the podcast, which is published after this, uh, Sonota is spelled S-Y-N-O-T-A. And Austin, thank you very much for sharing some of your wisdom with us here today. A couple up or a couple of uh, 
wrap up items. First, uh, this is a weekly event. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, how to avoid paying triple taxes on Bitcoin investments. Reminder, Andy Harrison has already placed the event create link in the chat, but September 13th, New York City. Come grab a drink or not drink, depending on your preference, and uh, meet some folks. Also, join the Telegram group, introduce yourself, have a chat, all that loveliness. Isla, other topic topics? Aside from that, uh, nothing pressing to discuss right now, um, unless you're planning two weeks ahead and you might be in Singapore, you might be in New York, in which case uh, you should check out the newsletter, which has both events that are uh, on top for uh, the month of September. Awesome. Thank and you. if you make both the Singapore and New York events, I will buy your drinks and your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> World travelers. <laughs> thanks, Andy. And thanks again for hosting New York. And Austin, thanks for your wisdom. And everybody else, thanks for being Thank you. here. It doesn't work without a network. So thanks for being part of the community. Have a great one. See you next week. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.